And as you're doing that, I also want to say how excited I am about this new series, uh, Every Beat, and, and as we're getting into this theme of, of music and, and songs and psalms, we're going to do a little fun um, survey of types, kind of in real time. And, uh, and I actually want to find out the, the musical taste, the styles, the preferences of this group right here. If you're joining online, uh, you can do this and, and share your answers with those that are, that are with you. But here's what we're going to do. If you have your worship guide, open it up. And on the left-hand side, when you open it up there, you'll see four blank spaces. Uh, grab something to write with, and you're going to actually write just a few simple, fun answers to a couple questions I'm going to ask you. And then some of my friends are going to come around with microphones, um, and we're going to look for volunteers. We'll do this kind of school style. If you don't volunteer, we might volunteer some of you. Um, but last service, we had so much fun with this, and, uh, and it was just a really cool way to kind of just see some of um, the variety, diversity of, of musical preferences in, in our congregation. So here we go. In the first blank, would you write down your favorite band or musician or singer? Who is that? Favorite band? Doesn't have to be a Christian band. We found out last night, everybody felt like they had to give like the church Christian answers, right? Because if you're going to get called on. But listen, we've heard everything from Rush to um, Metallica to Frank Sinatra. So there's no wrong answers here. Just what is your favorite band? It can be anything. What, what is it that you love to listen to the most? It's kind of your go-to musician or artist. From that band, what's the best song? Put that in the second line. Favorite song from that artist. If you can think of a best lyric, some people can, some people it's kind of hard, but if you can think of a line from that song, like why is that song so powerful to you? And then especially the favorite memory, right? Like songs and music just have a way of taking us back to a place. I was uh, riding in the car yesterday driving, my daughter was with me, she's 15, um, and I don't remember what station we were on, but it was all 80s music. I, my high school years were late 80s. She's singing all the songs, which just warmed my heart. She knew all the lyrics. But music has a way of taking us back, right, to, to special places and memories and people that we were with. We kind of want to find out a little bit about that. So my friends here, Danny and Noah and Lamas and Kaylee, they're going to kind of move around. If you have an answer, raise your hand and they will come to you, and I'll try to guide us here. Um, what you're going to do is when they come to you, you're going to stand, just give your first name, go right down the list, and kind of tell us what it is that you picked and, and all those reasons. So we'll start with Noah here, and then the other guys will start working the room. Tell us your name. Uh, Brittany Ransom. Okay. My favorite band was... Green Day and Nice. Excellent. Some green Day, that's rad. Yeah, I love that. That's good. We heard that in the other service, too. We'll go to Lamas, and then, Danny, you got anybody over here? I, I do recognize some faces in here, and I will call you out. Um, so, thank you, Hannah. We'll go to you. Okay, Noah's got somebody. We'll go to him next. Hannah. Um, I'm Hannah, or Hannah Joe. Um, I don't really have a favorite band, but something that came to mind was my favorite song is Hotel California by the nice. Eagles. Um, and the best lyric in that song to me is, um, we are all just prisoners here of our own device. 
I feel like it's just very open for interpretation and you can kind of think whatever you want and I like songs that kind of are thought-provoking in that way. Love it. Um, favorite memory probably is when I was in high school, whenever I would drive at night, I would play that song with the windows down and like just driving on the highway and that was really a fun part of my life, so. I love it. That's a great song to, to have the windows roll down. It's a good one. I was actually, again, with my daughter, we were having breakfast in a, um, somewhere nearby here and that song came on. I said, do you know this song? Because you need to know this song. Um, <laughs> And so she listened really carefully. Okay, Noah. Hey, Hi, my name's Heather. <laughs> uh, my favorite band is Coldplay. Yes. Uh, favorite song is Magic. Um, the lyric is, no, I don't want anyone else but you. Mainly for my husband and like a love song sort of thing. Um, but memories with not even just that song, but that band is Mission Trips, My Wedding, and the best concert in the world. Yes. <laughs> And I was there at that concert. We'll come back to that in a second. Yeah, I love that. Okay, Chad right here. Um, and then Kaylee, we'll go back to you. Uh, so my favorite artist is Randy Travis. I knew you were no going to come one, up with some country. No one country. quite has a voice like Randy Travis. I love it. He sings a song called The Box. And it's about a really hard man who um, did, struggled showing emotions, but he kept a lot of things in this box that showed he really did care. And growing up, my dad had a little box like that that had little trinkets, love letters in it. And it means a lot to me because we played it at me and my wife's wedding um, a couple months before our wedding. Uh, both of our grandfathers had passed away. So that song has a lot, of, it's a lot of good memories. That's awesome. Chad's actually my hunting and fishing partner. And so I listen to a lot of country music with that guy. Um, okay, we'll go back to Noah. Danny just is lost back there. Can't find anybody in the back. <laughs> My name's Todd. Uh, it's the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Um, the song is Old Upright Piano that only Grandma played. Nice. And the line is, what a friend we have in Jesus is the only song he played after his wife passed. Um, the memory is my close friend John in Chicago and I uh, snuck backstage with the Dirt Band concert and hung out with the band and he always wanted to meet them so I helped facilitate that. No, we did not get caught, but the, uh, <laughs> the real poignant part is now he's passed on. He's with Jesus. Even wow. he, he just died in January, so I miss him. Wow. Powerful. All right, we'll go to Danny, and then we'll do Lamas, and then Kaylee, and then we'll stop there. Sounds good? Danny, in the back. Uh, my name is Jennifer, and my favorite artist is Amy Grant, nice. and I love the song 1974. I love that song. <laughs> My favorite lyrics that stand out are burning in the darkness, shining out from inside of us. It's, um, I'm sorry. Love had lit a fire, we were the flame, burning into the darkness, shining out from inside us. And, well, that's my birth year, so that's one reason I like Mine the song. Mine too. And also, it just brings back memories of when I was a kid and I came to Christ in the late 70s and early 80s. I went to a small church that met in, um, abandoned storefront <laughs> and uh, the reason I came to Northland 20 years ago is Northland reminded me of that church just the feeling of it so wow that's cool Amy Grant you and me that I have some definite connections there go to Lamas and then Kaylee and we'll, we'll close good morning it. everyone my name's Brad uh, it's amazing how I wake up this morning and I come to Northland and the song that I heard this morning it's amazing it's Mercy me mm -hmm. that I can only imagine. Yeah. And 
It's unbelievable. Uh, from the song, the best lyric, uh, would I stand in awe or would I, would I be able to speak at all? As, as the lyric, it's amazing how I walked in here and came out. My favorite memory is just to have him close to my heart. And it's been a long time since I've heard the song and heard it literally 10 minutes ago before I walked in. Good That's morning, awesome. everyone. That's great. How many of you picked Mercy Me? I saw some people like nodding. Yeah, you guys can all connect and form a club afterwards. Um, Kaylee, one more there. I'm Allie, and I'm here visiting my family in Orlando. And I believe one of my favorite musicians has to be John Mayer. Nice. And he's, he's very talented. Um, I think one of my favorite songs from him is Heart of Life. And the lyric is, fear is a friend who's misunderstood. I love this lyric because rather than, rather than embracing fear sometimes, we tend to run from it when really it's very important and finding ourselves in everything. And the song, what I love about the song is that I feel that if simplicity had a noise or it sounded like anything, it would sound like this song. And so it kind of, it kind of brings everything back to that. It's awesome. Love it. Thank Gr you. Great comments. I, John Mayer in Munich, I saw him in Germany, and it was one of the best concerts I had ever been to in a little tiny, tiny, like, warehouse. So, awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, we were even talking in the back. Danny was sharing his um, favorite is the Beatles. How many of you picked the Beatles? Maybe a few Beatles selections. Abbey Road. What was the song again, Danny? I uh, you never give me your money, you only give me your funny papers. So there you go. They all know that one. I can't join you, I don't know that particular one. So, um, okay, I'll give you real quick mine and then we'll move on. Like Heather, I, we actually were at that concert together. Um, my daughter, we, I got her out of school, she skipped school early August, I gave her permission, we went down to Miami, saw Coldplay, had some late night McDonald's after it was over, and now every time I hear a Coldplay song, I'm taken back to that incredible overnight awesome concert experience with her um, and all those memories that are attached with that. Music is powerful, right? I mean, it's incredible what music does in taking us back to a place, a time. Um, it, it sort of has a way of, of evoking certain emotions in us. Um, and, and it's incredible to think even as we're going into the series, every beat, it kind of makes you wonder what would have been on Jesus's playlist, right? I mean, imagine Jesus, if he were to pick songs to listen to, what would have been the songs? There was no um, country music, I don't think, maybe um, at the time, but what would, have, what would have been going through Jesus's mind when he would close his eyes and hear someone sing a song or what songs would he sing? How would we know? Well, there's an interesting story and I was actually uh, reading it again this morning and, and I was only going to give a real quick snapshot of it, but I actually want to give you a little bit of the longer version because it's just so incredible. We actually have a glimpse of knowing that the Psalms were key to the music and the lyrics that Jesus listened to repeatedly. In fact, in uh, Luke chapter 24, there's this story 
where Jesus, oh, actually before Jesus, there's two men, they're walking down the road. One of them's named Cleopas. This is, uh, yeah, chapter 24. Walking down the road, and as they're walking, uh, they're, they're having a conversation about what had been taking place. The story actually is right when Jesus was resurrected. So they're literally walking to this village called Emmaus on the third day. They're talking, trying to figure out what had happened, what had transpired. They even reference um, that the, there were women who went to the tomb that morning and saw the stone rolled away. And they went inside it and it was empty. And they're trying to make sense of what this means. As they're walking, a third person joins them and starts asking them questions. And, and it's one of those mysterious stories in the Bible where it doesn't give you all the answers. It kind of leaves you in a little bit of a, a state of mystery because what we find out is as Jesus is walking with these two followers of Jesus, disciples, as he's walking with them, they don't recognize that it's Jesus. And they're asking him questions and they're batting around uh, all the things that had happened. And as they're walking, they start to unpack some of these things. And they finally get to a place where um, Jesus, who they still don't recognize, says, I'm going to part ways. I'm going to go this way. They were going to continue on to Emmaus, but they convinced him to stay for dinner. So they go and they're eating together. And this is what it says in verse 30. When he, when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. I love these kinds of Bible stories. I mean, it's better than Lord of the Rings, better than Chronicles of Narnia. I mean, this is the real stuff. Imagine eating dinner with Jesus, not even knowing who he is. He breaks bread, something happens, and their vision is lifted, and they instantly recognize Jesus, and he's gone. He disappears. So these guys reconnect later in Jerusalem with some of the other disciples, and they're gathered together. You can imagine a group of people huddled together, trying to make sense of what, what had just taken place. You can imagine Cleopas saying, you, have, you guys have no idea. We were eating dinner. Jesus was right in front of us. We didn't even know. He broke bread, and all of a sudden we saw him, and then he was gone. And, and the women talking over those guys. We were at the tomb. It was empty. It's crazy. What's going on? And so they're talking and they're huddling and talking over each other. And this is what it says happens um, in verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. I think what he was really saying to them is, don't freak out. Because the next verse actually indicates they freaked out. Um, it says they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do, you, uh, doubt, why do you have doubts rise in your mind? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And so they're talking and some are still doubting. And so somebody in the group says, find some food. And they're looking around and somebody says, I found a piece of broiled fish. Jesus, eat this. We want to see if, the, are you really here? I mean, is this, are you physically here? And it says they literally gave Jesus a piece of fish for him to eat. And he took it and ate it in their presence. And then in your worship guide, it has this verse where Jesus then says to them, and this is where we get this clue, this idea of, of knowing what Jesus listened to. 
when he was here on earth. It said, this is what I told you. While I was still with you, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And so Jesus then goes on to explain in that chapter, using the teachings of Moses, going all the way back to creation, and then working through the prophets and, and the declarations of what the prophets spoke in the Old Testament, through the Psalms, explaining why all those things had to happen to Christ, why he must suffer and be crucified and buried and be raised on the third day. And so Jesus uses the Psalms to instruct the disciples and give them a clue about not only why he was there, but why they were there. And that's actually the point of the Psalms. They not only help us reference back what God has been doing since creation, the Psalms actually bring us into the story, and we'll get into that. And so the Psalms really aren't just about Jesus. Jesus is at the heart of the Psalms. And when he would close his eyes, it would be the songs of the Psalms that he would hear. We sing and read the lyrics of the same music that Jesus listened to. It's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? Check this out, one of my favorite writers, um, he's, a, he's a preacher, pastor, Tim Keller. He wrote this book called Psalms, The Songs of Jesus. And he says this, most of the Psalms read in light of the entire Bible bring us to Jesus. There is every reason to assume that Jesus would have sung all the Psalms constantly throughout his life so that he knew them by heart. It is the book of the Bible that Jesus quotes more than any other. And the Psalms were not simply sung by Jesus, they were also about him. It's amazing. And so what we wanna do um, this morning is basically do an overview of Psalms, okay? Think back to first day of class, you're sitting there, the subject is new and the teacher just sort of goes through, hey, this is what we're gonna be doing this semester. Over the next coming weeks, we're gonna look into specific chapters of the Psalms. Today is just an overview. What I'm excited about is next week we're getting into Psalm 23, the most retweeted, most memorized psalm of all time. And so we'll actually dig deeper into just that particular chapter. But we want to get an overview, kind of what are the psalms all, are, all about as we get into this subject um, over the coming weeks. Secondly, I want to provide a framework for how we can see our place in the context of one of these themes in the psalms. And we're going to talk about three different themes that are real prevalent um, in, in the Psalms. And every one of us here or online, we are in one of those spaces today. And so you're gonna be able to self-identify where you are as it relates to connecting to one of these Psalms. And then there's gonna be a practical challenge uh, that we can look at for all of us. But here's what I wanna do. Let's go through the overview quickly. This is sort of like a fact checklist. You memorize these and you'll be the winner in trivia somewhere with some friends someday. This is the stuff that's sort of just some basic facts about the Psalms that you may not know. First of all, Psalms means instrumental music, sacred songs, that's, that's the Hebrew translation there. Um, there are 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. It's a book that has the most chapters, but it's actually not the longest book in the Bible oddly enough. Uh, by word count, uh, the book of the Bible that's the longest is Jeremiah. Um, it's 
the 150 chapters are divided into five sections. You can look at this later in your Bible. You can literally see it. it will divide them out into five different sections. And part of the way that we know that they were divided that way is at the end of each of those sections, there's this incredible um, worshipful statement that sort of is the exclamation mark at the end of that section. And it says something like, praise be to God from everlasting to everlasting, forever and forever, amen and amen. And that's sort of how each of those sections ends. There's seven known writers. Um, there's, there's some that are anonymous. And when you read the Psalms, you'll see that it'll say there that, that we don't know who that, that author was. Um, we know that King David wrote 73, almost half of the Psalms. Um, and they were used for public worship in ancient Israel in the Old Testament. These were the songs that they sang to remember the stories of what God had done. And they're the hymns of the early church. In fact, we see that in the New Testament. Um, songs that were sang as the church was just forming in those early years. And as I said before, it connects our story with those who've gone before us. And, and you'll, you'll see that as we go through it. But here's what I want to do. The framework that's, that's the main piece of our time together today is to look at three different themes, three different categories or spaces that, that we are either finding ourselves in one of those three or we're move, we are moving from one of them to the other. And you're going to be able to figure that out a little bit. This comes from uh, one of my favorite theologians. He's a, a professor at uh, Columbia Theological Seminary. And, um, and he breaks this down. And this is the descriptions that he gives. When you read these 150 Psalms, some of them fall very much into one of these categories. Sometimes they mix a little bit of the themes. But here are the type of descriptives that fit these particular Psalms. Psalms of orientation. These are the psalms that evoke gratitude. They articulate joy and they express delight and, and they show contentment. These are the songs that we sang earlier. Um, when you come to Northland and in most churches, these are typically the songs that are called a worship. They're the ones that we start with because they, they get us oriented into the right perspective, into the right space, looking in the right direction. It's our best foot forward. If you ever wake up in the morning and you're not sure what to pray, these are the Psalms to pray because they will put you in the right place. They'll put your, your mind and your heart and your feet moving in the right direction. That's what Psalms of orientation do. Psalms of disorientation, very different. You, you will recognize some of these Psalms when I go through some of the verses in just a minute. Psalms of disorientation are darker. They express sorrow, pain, disarray, anger, rage, deep sorrow. This is why some of the bands that play heavy music, hard music, they evoke that type of emotion. Some people are threatened by that. It's a little too dark. It feels like it's taking us into a space that we're not supposed to go. And yet the Psalms are filled with language that remind us God is not intimidated by our doubt. He's not intimidated by our hard questions. He's not going to alienate us and push us away when we come with pain and struggle and sorrow. And I know that some of us are in that space today. We're going to talk about that a little bit more. How do you move from a place of disorientation to reorientation? 
And then thirdly, the Psalms of reorientation. How do you get back to that place where you experience renewed hope? There's surprise, there's joy, there's, there's a new awareness, a new season. Something unexpected happens and it pulls us out of that place of, of being lost and disoriented and sets our feet back on firm footing again. What do those Psalms look like? So here's what I wanna do. We're gonna look at the first two categories first and then we'll save the third one to the end. I wanna, I wanna actually just let the Bible speak for a minute and just read some of these scriptures and just let them fall on you and listen and just consider the tone, the language, the expressions that you hear in this. We'll start uh, with the Psalms of orientation. Scriptures that sound like this, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. It's what we've been doing uh, the first third of this service. I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of your marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. These lyrics almost just, each phrase is right on the heel of the next. It's like you can't get the phrases out quick enough. There's just so much you're trying to convey. And it's, and it's just being expressed with such um, big variety of, of, of expressive adjectives. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory, do his name. Worship the Lord and the beauty of holiness. And this last one, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. These are the songs you wanna wake up to and sing and declare at the beginning of a day. But then along comes a moment, sometimes a season, where you find yourself in a rut and in a place that you don't even know how it happened. You were just here in orientation and all of a sudden you find yourself here. Health issues that you're going through, that a friend is going through, brokenness in, in a marriage, lack of trust with a spouse, a friendship that's coming undone, the different types of things that all of a sudden put us in a space of having doubt and frustration and angst and worry and the insecurities start coming stronger and stronger and the voices, the snakes in our heads start sounding louder and louder. What do we do with that? Culturally, what we are basically taught to do is ignore it. Ignore the pain, ignore the sorrow, move from victory to victory, success to, to success, just push that stuff down, get it out of the way. God doesn't wanna hear it. It just shows that, that you are broken and that you're lacking faith. But it's actually quite the opposite. These are the Psalms that remind us that God is inviting us into that space. In fact, he will meet you in that space. Walter Brueggemann says this, Psalms of disorientation reveal a faith in a very different God, one who is present in, participating in, and attentive to the darkness, weakness, and displacement of life. The reason the darkness may be faced and lived in is that even in the darkness, there is one 
to address. And so what does that look like for us as we consider the weight, the gravity of, of being in that situation? I know for me, it often looks like being isolated. One of the first things that happens to me when I find myself in this place, the first thought that comes to mind is I'm the only one that feels this way. Nobody else feels this way. And the enemy attacks and aims to make me feel isolated and alone. And what that then does is it actually pushes me further away from God. How could I really bring myself to God when I'm in this place? And so I isolate myself not only from other people, but from God. And the Psalms give us this language, this expressive, deep, um, even, even sometimes dark, agitated language. And God allows that language to be in the Bible for us to be reminded of how we are able to communicate with God. Psalms of disorientation, Jesus quoted some of these. The first line of this Psalm, you probably remember, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus prayed this on the cross. Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Here's another prayer, a reference that Jesus made when he was at the Last Supper with the disciples and Judas was betraying him at dinner time. Jesus used a phrase right out of this psalm, even my own familiar friend and whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry out to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Be merciful to me, Lord, I am faint. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. Some of you are literally going through that physically right now. My soul is in anguish. How long, O Lord, how long? So what the Psalms teach us is that, that they give us permission. There's three things that you can sort of bullet point from, from this quickly. These Psalms of disorientation give us a permission to talk openly with God. He knows how you're feeling. He's inviting you into that space to come. If you don't know the words to use when you find yourself in that place, go to the Psalms. Because just as the Psalms of orientation are there, the Psalms of disorientation are there. And there's language there that even if you're not sure how to communicate your frustration, your sorrow, your pain, you can pray those Psalms to God and incorporate your own words into it. They show expression from others who struggled. Saints who we have put on a pedestal who we would, we would say today they were flawless, but they weren't. They often found themselves in that place of disorientation and they often asked hard questions. And so just as we sang those songs at the beginning of the service around, around orientation, we didn't want the, the service to go by without creating at least a couple minutes of space to contemplate what it means to be in that, that place of disorientation, which I've learned, and it was no surprise from last night to this morning's service, there's quite a number of us that are in that space right now. And you've come here not even being sure if you should be here. And you've already heard some of those voices in your head this morning where the enemy has been saying to you, this is the last place you should be. Nobody else is going through this stuff. You're actually bringing stuff into this room that nobody else has and is dealing with. 
And Jesus is actually saying the opposite. You're in the perfect place. You're in a space where we're all going to go through this from, from time to time. Some of us are there. Some of us just got out of there. Some of us might be headed there because of sin and brokenness in our world. And so I asked Danny and, and Kaylee um, if they would come and, and Noah and, and sing this song where we could just have a couple minutes before we get to the reorientation piece. Because often we want to get there quickly, right? It, it's safer and, and we, want, we want that. But God works in those spaces of darkness that we're going through. He meets us there. And so I want you to hear these lyrics and the tone of this song basically pieces of psalm that have been taken and put in, in, been placed into kind of a modern melody. You're going to hear the same type of statements and dialogue and adjectives. Listen to this song. The fall, the fall, oh God, the fall of man.
this week. Yeah, it's a powerful song. Earlier this week on Monday, I was having coffee with a college student, uh, a guy named Sid. He's 23 years old. Uh, he's attending uh, Full Sail University, uh, studying film. Um, he's actually from Nepal. Uh, he's been in, in the area for about three months. And, uh, and I got permission. I was texting with him um, on Friday. I said, hey, man, I want to share this. He's like, cool, it's great. Um, so Sid came to church here. At the end of May, it was um, like the last weekend in May, and he came and, and he had a friend that was going to come with him. He's been kind of having a hard time meeting some people, getting acclimated and settled in. Um, and so the, and the person called at the last minute and said that they, weren't, they couldn't go, they weren't going to be able to make it. So he came anyways by himself and sat um, in the room here. And, uh, and, then, and then the other important detail is it was Sid's birthday that particular Sunday that he came to church. And he was describing to me um, over coffee what it was like, you know, coming to church that day. Um, he's a believer and, and he comes from a family, um, all who are Hindu, but um, are followers of Jesus. And he was describing, you know, sort of that, that excitement to come to church, gets here, buddy isn't coming with him sits there by himself, and you probably had that happen before, right? You, you find yourself somewhere, and, and all of a sudden, just the fact that you don't, you're not with somebody that particular day, just things start creeping into your head, and that's what happened to Sid. And he was talking about how before he knew it, and he never saw it coming, all of a sudden, he's doubting whether or not he should have moved to Orlando whether or not this was even the right decision to have made. And then that thought kind of went to the next thought, which was, I'm not even sure that I should be studying film. I mean, film is such a, a, a hard industry, and it's, it's full of themes and stories that don't really go well with, with the Christian faith. And, and then all of a sudden from there, he finds himself doubting his, his passion his ability, and every insecurity is starting to just get attacked. And add to that, it's his birthday. And he's just sitting there trying to figure out, what, what am I doing here? Well, the service gets started, and, uh, and we get to that favorite moment of like five of us. Um, the rest of us are really uncomfortable. The meet and greet, where everybody stands and high fives and shake hands. And, and all of a sudden, in one of these moments, two of you, a married couple, um, empty nest, married couple, empty nesters, they, they see Sid um, sitting near them. They walk over, introduce themselves, and just in that little 30-second like, slot, um, find out his name, his birthday, he's from Nepal, he goes to full sale, get the details, the music starts, they go back to their seats. Well, afterwards, when the service is over, they go and hunt Sid down, find him, track him down, and they say to him, hey, listen, we can't get this thought out of our head that it's your birthday, and we need to go eat and celebrate on your birthday. And Sid's like, wow. And, and they're, they're trying to read his body language, like, is this weird? Do they think we're weird? Um, have we crossed a line here? But all of a sudden, Sid is like, man, that's really amazing. I would love that. And so then I got to hear both sides of the story as they went out to eat 
and, and you know, it's a college student, probably doesn't have a lot of money in his pocket either to begin with, and here they got to celebrate Sid's birthday. That's what it looks like to be surprised and begin to make that movement out of disorientation to reorientation. Some of you are in that space right now and, and what you need is an outside voice to remind you of the promises, the hope, and it might be coming from an unexpected place. You have no idea. But you need someone to fight for you, to fight for hope because that fight is kind of waning inside of you right now. And in a little bit as the service concludes, I'm gonna give an invitation to you because you are not allowed to leave today if you're in that place without hearing some really important news that Jesus wants you to hear. But the flip side of that is some of us who aren't in that space today, we know of someone that's in that space. Someone who had a lot of fight and that fight is just waning. How do we speak hope back into them, encourage them, remind them of who God has created them to be so that they can get their bearings and their feet back underneath them because frankly, they're probably gonna end up doing it to you someday in the near future as well. But what do songs of reorientation look like? What are some of the scriptures that, that, re, that remind us of this renewed hope, this joy, this surprise? What Sid experienced? What, what do those psalms sound like? Here's a few that you can write down and read in more detail later. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy that my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever. Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. That's what reorientation looks like.